0: Kia ora, and welcome to CIO Leadership Live New Zealand. I'm Cathy O'Sullivan, Editor-in-Chief for CIO in Asia-Pacific, and it's my pleasure to welcome my guest today, Billy Miller, who is the Chief Information Officer at at Fidelity Life. Hi, Billy. How are you doing today?
1: Yeah, I'm really good, Cathy. I've um, just came back from a really nice lunch down in the viaduct, so um, you've got me at a good time.
0: Excellent, excellent. Quite different from the last time we caught up on the day of the Auckland flood. So yes, it's good good to see that you're enjoying the sunshine today. So to, to kick things off, can you tell us a little bit more about your role as CIO at Fidelity Life and what your team does there?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, as you say, I'm the Chief Information Officer at Fidelity Life. Um, Fidelity Life, as you can probably guess from the name, if you don't know already, we're a life insurance company. Um, we've been around for 50 years. And in fact, this year we're celebrating our um, 50th anniversary, which is is really quite special because um, 50 years ago we were founded by New Zealanders and, and to this Day. We um, continue to be sort of managed and, and owned by um, New Zealanders as well, which is really cool because um, our our whole purpose is to be there for New Zealanders. So, um, so it's great to be New Zealand-owned, New Zealand-run and um, for New Zealanders. Um, yeah, so as a as a Chief Information Officer at Fidelity Life, I would go as far as to say I've um, possibly got one of the best jobs in the world and and i can prove it um because it means i get to live in new zealand which um even although i'm an import is uh, sort of the best country in the world and um, great place to bring up a family and um, i get to work in insurance which is really purpose-driven and um, and really ripe for transformation for the benefit of our customers um and yeah, I get to work for a New Zealand owned um, business, which is really cool as well, and in technology. So um, best job in the world.
0: Excellent. Lovely to hear it. And from one import to another, I agree. It's a great place to live. So you have had quite um, um, a lot of roles working in New Zealand, but also overseas. And you will have experienced transformation in a lot of those companies. But the word transformation... And um, it's often seen as a given within a company that it just happens and everyone's doing it. But in reality, it's it's not easy. It is quite hard to do. So can you talk us through how that approach has taken shape in your own career?
1: Yeah, and, and certainly when I think back, Kathy, some of the, the biggest um, mistakes and learnings I've made over the years has been thinking transformation is just about the tech and, the, and it couldn't be further from the truth. Um, you know, we're as human beings, we're we're creatures of habit. Um, you know, sort of routine is wired into our brain. We're, we're actually wired for routine because, um, from an evolutionary point of view, it, it's um, it's the best to reserve energy. So, so as human beings, we're wired for routine and the status quo. Um, because it keeps us safe and then of course transformation comes along which is all about um, changing that and, and creating fear and ambiguity. Um, so so for me it's about figuring that piece out the transformation is it's about the people, it's about the journey it's it's about being able to tell that that story about what the target state looks like when when we get there and um, inspiring everyone to to be on that journey.
0: So, just unpicking that a little bit more, you know, when you walk back from that end product of transformation, it might be putting in a new ERP, it might be changing your whole ways of working. What do you think are some of the key steps CIOs must take along the way to, to kick off that transformation journey?
1: Yeah, so, so a long time ago, someone described transformation to me as ABCD. And what, what that was all about was A is about understanding current state, because without knowing what your starting point is, how can you possibly figure out the journey? Um, B is about clearly understanding where you want to get to and clearly aligned to the strategic imperatives. C is about what you need to do in order to get there, such as um, acquire a business or or develop a digital channel. Um, And then D is the tactics in order to transform, so um, implement a CRM or build a data warehouse. And all too often, in my experience, organizations go to the the what, but they, they miss the context of it. Um, so, so really it's about that A, B, C, D, starting point, finish point, how to get there and what to do to get there.
0: Now, you mentioned earlier, you know, as humans, we're wired to fear change and we like routine. So can you talk us through your approach to challenges when challenges come up in a transformation um, project or or a transformation journey? What are some of the kind of common roadblocks and how do you either avoid them along the way or have a place and a plan in place for how you'll tackle them?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a good question, man. Cathy, and I, I sort of recall a leadership training course a few years back where we focused on limiting beliefs. And, and for me, that, that was incredibly powerful because what it does is that as a leader, you build muscle around um, using much more positive language, which can actually help you um, challenge some of those um, limiting beliefs. Um, so some of the language I like to use is, you know, but what would have to be true for that to happen? Or, but imagine if we could do that. What would that look like? Um, because because with transformation, there's there's always challenges. It could be budget constraints. It could be you know legacy technology. And um, the other thing I would say is, if we if we lived in a world without those constraints, without those barriers, there wouldn't be any innovation because innovation doesn't come from having. much money and too much time to do something innovation comes from from those constraints not enough time and not enough money therefore we have to be creative with solutions
0: i love that approach as well of of challenging those limiting beliefs that's that's a great way to look at it so um from your viewpoint then, Billy, do you like to see transformation as a project with nice you know, deadlines and milestones and celebrating the wins along the way? Or is transformation just an ongoing thing within any organization? And if it is an ongoing thing, how do you manage change fatigue?
1: Yeah, I, I wonder if that's a rhetorical question, Cathy, because um, yeah, it's certainly... For, for, for me, it's, um, it's ongoing. Um, now, the reality is, the, the the commercial reality of our businesses means that we do need good governance around um, investment. So therefore, we it's good to have definitions of done and do things in phases and, and track progress to those phases. Um, but absolutely, transformation um, carries on for, forever. And what we believe to be the transformation today in the context of today will be quite different um, once we have once we've achieved that and we only need to look like look at things like chat gpt and the opportunity that presents and clearly we're at the start of that um particular opportunity but you can just imagine once we've completed the you know the current definition of done that we're all facing there's going to be a whole other set of opportunities around transformation. In terms of um, tackling change fatigue, um, I, I spent a number of years in the airline industry through through September the 11th and foot and mouth disease and, and union action. And it was incredibly important to build up resiliency. But at the same time, it was a period where we were adopting Agile and everything was about sprints. Everything was about um, fortnightly sprints and we simply couldn't sustain that energy so so what we did we, we were very careful to ensure that the talent that we had on those programs of work also had the opportunity to work on other programs of work as well which were perhaps less stressful or less time driven and um, so sort of swapping that talent around different types of program seemed to be the most effective way to, um, to handle that sort of stress and fatigue that you referred to.
0: Yeah, great approach. Emma. I like to hear it. So um, as CIO then at Fidelity Life, Billy, how do you um, collaborate and influence the organization and its, uh, its leadership
1: team? Um, so I think, um, you know, I think I, I, I believe I'm part of two teams. Um, my first team, which is my executive team, um, and then my my other team, which is my technology team, and that that's a really important mindset because as as an executive, um, yes, I happen to um, participate in executive conversations with a tool bag that's full of technology tools, but actually the contribution that I make. is is one of moving our organization forward and tackling the the same business challenges that my executive peers um, are also facing into. So so certainly from a a collaboration and influencing point of view, it's really important to me that when I show up at the exec team, I'm not showing up as a technology guy. I'm showing up as a business leader that just happens to have a, 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 a set of tools in my tool bag, which are technology, tools um, there's there's other things that that are really important to me um, i've not worked in many organizations through my career just just a handful but whenever i change organization i always make a point being curious and taking time out especially with the, the absolute rock stars we have at the pointy end of our business so um so that in our business you know the 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 moment of truth, the, the promise we make comes to life at, at, at claim time. And, you know, I, what I did when I joined Fidelity Life was I spent some time with the claims team. I, I put the headphones on and, um, and it was it was incredibly um, confronting, um, but it was also hugely inspiring. And it allowed me not only to take some of those stories back to my team in technology, But it also gave me credibility back at the executive team because I was able to um, empathize and understand some of the the challenges that our teams face outside of technology.
0: Yeah, and even more so at the moment with all the claims, I'm sure, for anyone working in the insurance industry. So, um, Billy, the um, pandemic brought into sharp focus for a lot of organizations the importance of technology. How do you think the role of CIO has changed since the pandemic?
1: Oh, gosh, Cathy, that's um, that's a million-dollar question. And I have to um, probably at this point be super vulnerable and say I'm not sure I've worked it out yet. Um, you know, as uh, everything from staff engagement and as a leader, the, the fact that I'm used to being able to stand up in front of teams and, and tell the story and now suddenly... You know the the office is very quiet because people are choosing to work from home, and that and that flexibility is great. But what does that mean to in terms of being a leader? And, and I'm still I'm still figuring some of that out. Um, what What we do know to be true is that customer expectations have changed at a speed that we would never have guessed. And um, you know the 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 consumers who are shopping online for their their weekly groceries are. Are people who would never have dreamt of doing that two or three years ago. So of course, those expectations rub off in other organizations too. So our customers are digital, our partners are digital, therefore we need to be digital um, too.
0: So then what do you think are some of the key attributes of a successful modern-day CIO when it comes to leadership?
1: Um so I'm I'm a great advocate on Servant leadership. Um, I believe my role is to support the team to be successful, to be the best version of themselves. So, um, so my role is to is to open doors, remove obstacles, and allow them to to flourish. Um, and and that's probably the style of leadership that I adopt eighty percent of the time. Um, alas, we can't avoid or command and control um, style from time to time, such as when there's a, a crisis or, or a P1 incident. Um, sometimes we, we just have to sort of bring that back out and be directive um, because that's what the situation um, requires. But certainly as a leader and, and probably as I've matured, um, I get so much more energy from seeing my team be successful. And well um, one of the, the favorite parts of my job is is finding my successor and and, and who'll be in my seat and, and whenever that comes. And yeah, I love that stuff.
0: So just more on that then, how are you creating that internal culture that really helps your people, you know, feel like they're thriving and growing in their roles and, and, and hitting those, you know, personal and professional goals?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, um, so a commitment I make to everyone that comes to, to Fidelity Life and chooses Fidelity Life, if they're a technologist, is that it doesn't matter whether they are here for two years or 20 years, my commitment to them is when it comes time for them to move on, they'll have some additional skills and some additional experiences that will make them more valuable than the day um, that they joined Fidelity Life. And that's that's an absolute um, commitment. And another commitment I make is um, assurance that in my entire career as a leader, I have actually never rejected a request for a training course. Never. Now that's... That's a little bit dangerous because when the team hear this video they'll probably come to me with all sorts of bizarre requests. Um, So that might not be true going forward but you know it's technology, as a a successful technologist you have to have a culture of continuous learning, you have to be curious. I was presenting at Auckland University recently and um, as part of the research I did I was talking about the half-life of knowledge and Technology, more than any other industry, has the shortest half-life of around about 18 months. So what that means is if you learn something, about 50% of that knowledge will become irrelevant in 18 months' time because our industry is moving at such a pace. So it's so important to create a a culture of um, continuous learning, and and that can take many forms. It could be um, ensuring that everyone's got a... um, a career path that they're having, you know, really good one-to-one conversations with their their leader and right down to the the tools and the the courses that we provide as being part of Fidelity Life.
0: So another um, factor when it comes to high-performing teams is diversity, and it has been proven that the more diverse your team is, the, the better performing it will be. What practical things do you think can be done to attract more people into IT from, you know, a variety of different communities, ages, you know, um, genders, different ways of thinking? How can we tell a better story about the IT industry and attract more people from different communities to it?
1: Yeah, it's a real it's a real challenge, Kathy. As we know, um, you know, I, th- I think we should start by celebrating our successes. Um, I, I often refer to my team as being like the United Nations and, and it truly is. I keep um, thinking about buying one of those maps of the world and putting a pin in each country where we have team members. And I suspect I would have pins in almost every continent, um, if not every continent. It was it truly is like the United Nations and something that's really important to, um, to celebrate as well in terms of that level of diversity. Um, again, if I if I reflect on the the work that I've recently started doing with the university, it was a question I asked them, and what are they seeing? And what's pleasing is it looks like if if we see this as a lead indicator, it looks like the the gender balance is starting to um correct itself coming through the universities. So so hopefully we start to see that balance from a gender point of view. Um reach industry in the next few years and the other piece is you know we need to think of diversity in the in the broadest context and I've recently started a conversation with a company called Auticon, and Auticon have um, talent around the world in fact New Zealand's one of the few countries that they don't actually have any people in them and I'm hoping Fidelity Life is their first customer and um, but what Oticon does is they specialize in neurodiverse talent and um, so people that are that are on the spectrum and this is this is incredibly um, valuable and um, because the the talent there have some exceptional skills the the ability to focus the ability to tackle some really gnarly um problems so I'm hoping to to partner with Oticon so Anyone else that's listening to this, look them up, I'll give them a plug, um, because I think it would be great for New Zealand to increasingly take a leadership position in things like neurodiverse talent. We often talk about diversity in in other contexts, but I think especially in technology, there's a great opportunity um, to access that neurodiverse talent pool.
0: Kapa sounds like a very worthy initiative. So, Billy, when you reflect back on your own career, are there any kind of mistakes that stand out that, even though you know it was not the best time going through it, but when you reflect back on it, it's something that really shaped you as a leader and that you've learned a lot from in hindsight.
1: Yes, gosh, um, opportunity to be vulnerable again. (laughs) Um, Again, if I draw in my airline experience, and um, post-September the 11th, British Airways was the second most likely airline to go bankrupt, second only to American Airlines, which I believe actually did go bankrupt for a period of time, but because of the local legislation, they could continue to operate. Um, So we had to to take some really quite drastic actions in order to uh, safeguard the the future of the airline. And part of that was closing down some of our contact centres. So um, so I was a a young, ambitious project manager, and I got the role of um, closing down one of our contact centres. Funny enough, contact centre in Glasgow, which is where I grew up. Um, And we had around 500 staff in that particular contact centre. And I still remember to this day, um, going along to the to the day where we were announcing that um we were closing that contact center down and what was i doing as a, a young 20 something year old project manager i was showing them gantt charts of when their last day would be and and when they would need to remove their um, personal belongings from from the office i completely missed the the people um, angle of it. And I still remember looking at the audience while I was presenting my Gantt charts and seeing them calling their their partners at home in tears, letting them know that that they were being shut down and and losing their jobs. Um, So that, for me, is one of those times where I I probably pivoted as as a leader um, and certainly recognised the importance of a people-first approach. To leadership.
0: Well, it certainly served you well, I guess, with that servant leadership, so key to your um mm-hmm. to your focus on on, on leadership these days, and um, and you mentioned earlier that you know one of your things that you're focused on is is helping grow the next CIO. So, what advice would you give to anyone who's aspiring to be um, a CIO or a CDO, CTO, or some kind of IT leader?
1: Um. I I would say choose choose your timing. Um, if you are still at that stage in your career where your focus is on self and um, promotion, then you know perhaps that's that's an indicator that you're still some time off um, taking a role where you really are having to put your team first. Um, so, so on that, just you know, take some time to really carefully think about what are your motivations for the role? And um, are they motivations that you know are purposeful and, and it's, it's genuinely about helping others be successful and it's purpose driven and perhaps not as materialistic as as many of us, including myself, um, were at earlier stages in our career.
0: And finally then, Billy, what's important to you in the months ahead?
1: Um, so we have, to bring it back to Fidelity Life, we've got a busy dance card, um, so to speak. We are completing the work to integrate with Westpac following the acquisition of Westpac Life. And um, we are building an entirely new digital platform. We have adopted a data in motion strategy, which is hugely exciting. In fact, from what I believe, we could be one of the first insurers, if not the first, to be a real-time insurer, which is hugely exciting. So so a huge amount of um, transformational work taking place. And, of course, on top of that, the importance of um, keeping the business running from a day-to-day basis and um, we are recruiting um, so so if you're listening to this and and you're thinking it sounds quite good then um an unashamed plug to jump onto our website or call our recruitment team and have a chat or or even ping me directly on linkedin
0: love the plug well billy miller chief information officer at fidelity life we wish you all the best with the dance card ahead thank you so much for your time today
1: Thanks, Cathy. Have a lovely day.